Hey everybody, this is Billy West, and um, the things I do today, all these voices and everything else, movies, television, radio, oh man, you name it, I've done it. And I work with a bunch of big dumb disc jockeys, and they used to have voices like Zap Brannigan, and they say, 20 minutes past 7.30, yeah? And you're listening to Sci-Fi Saturday Night Dick. You're home for this sort of thing. Tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. Don't think you get me so easily. It is now time for us to put Earth under our roof. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess that you've been guilty of witchcraft. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Bye-bye Saturday night. From a place in a very dark corner of sublevel 6, deep in Area 51, hello and welcome to TalkCast 334, this week's edition of Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Tonight, munching on fried green tortillas because I can, I am the Dome. Joining the TalkCast tonight, some of the rest of the Gang of Five, in the Acton Tardis Reseeding Company, our technical anarchist, our button-pushing, keyboard-clacking, sonic screwdrivering girl genius, more fun than a box of peach Japanese Oreos, it's Kriana. You mean Kit Kats and green tea, but okay. All right, if you say so. Although I happen to like peach Oreos, but that's a whole different story. Heresy. Guy, yeah, I know. Guy walks into a comic shop and says, hey, do you have Bob's Burgers Annual Number 1? At that point, you know it's either Anson Williams or our very own futurist and gamer. Returning from a weekend of never-to-be-remembered events, our week, our Midwestern correspondent, the guy who likes shiny stuff, it's awaited by Java. Uh, it's awaited by Java. <laughs> uh, okay, what's wrong? I don't. No. Okay, so what game are you playing during the show tonight? No Man's Sky. Still? For reasons. Yeah, for reasons. No, you know what the reason is? Because Skyrim Remastered doesn't come out until Friday. And so my pre-ordered copy, which was 20 bucks cheaper, thanks to Amazon Primer, is... (laughs) um, is is not here yet, and so I'm wasting time. Why? There's no reason to play this game anymore. The studio has dissolved, and all of the developers have gone to Cancun, Cancun. to drink Mai Tais. Sorry. To drink Mai Tais on the beach. And there's nothing that will ever happen on the, for this game ever, 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 ever. Sidebar, ever. I'm not going to mention which subreddit it is that does that Cancun thing, but if you read it, you know. And I love you, ladies. <laughs> so, I guess I'm here. I don't know why. I mean, Because this is where you're supposed to be. Yeah, I mean, yeah. No, I mean, like, I don't know why I'm playing No Man's Sky still. Oh, okay. I did finish Uncharted 4, which I was trying to play the last time we got together, and that was great. It even had this little epilogue at the end that was just so adorable. 
I was pooping puppies. It was amazing. Ew, doubly gross. <laughs> puppies and like, fecal matter. It was like seems like cute, fitting though. It was cute overload. I'm telling you, I was so full of cute. Huge overload. That was a band in the '60s, wasn't it? What? Oh yeah, it was. <laughs> um. But, you know, the Watch Dogs 2 is coming out, so there's stuff on the horizon. But right now we're kind of in it. Oh, they announced the new Nintendo. The Nintendo Switch. Which is not what it promised. No, 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 that's exactly what it sounds like. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, you you think by this point, Nintendo would at least have somebody at Nintendo America who was involved in this whole thing and said... Hey, is the thing that we're going to call, uh, does does the term that we want to use for our new console, does that have any sexual connotations around the world? And someone in America would raise their hand say, and go, uh, wait, we have a so... problem. <laughs> no, huh? But um, it's actually a cool concept. We'll see. They're kind of positioning it between, con- I guess this is why it's called the Switch. It's between consoles and handhelds. So, you know, it goes both ways. And I mean, it, it's a really it's a really mild sexual connotation, to be fair. Yeah, it is. Um, I, I mean, remember when people were like, Oh, if they call it the iPad, everyone's gonna equate it to period blood. That's true. Does anyone yeah. No No. Uh, no. Thank goodness. So, we're obviously. But I mean, it's just like the the problem is that you've got like just a little bit of information about it out, and most of it had already been leaked, and um, and then you've got a bunch of gamers who desperately want to get their hands on it, and it have, has nothing else to like, have nothing else to talk about, so they make the the consoles, um, you know, gamepad into a dog, which is adorable. <laughs> and um, no, that and and you know they they it is it is no. kind of adorable. I think it's adorable. dogs are horrible. Got... If it was a cat, it would be fine according to Korea. Yes, but since it is, or a gecko. If it was a gecko, yes, be... geckos are love. Anyway, um, so so gaming gaming is kind of on a on a you know wait and see because we we got to wait till November. November <laughs> is going to be a big, is always a big time for games because. The holiday season. Yes, well, so actually, Java, did you ever give RimWorld a fair shot? Uh, RuneWorld? RimWorld. RimWorld. No, still haven't played it. Um, it's gonna. It, it's on my list, but, you know, right now, I'm, I'm just waiting for Skyrim because I figure that's going to eat up all of my time. Okay, I'm going to bring our guest in now because I'm thinking he may have actually once played a game or two. <laughs> I could be wrong, but I'm willing to take <laughs> it, it, a shot on this. It has been a while. It has been a while. Okay. Our guest tonight is uh, from somewhere up in the really cold version of Maine uh, by the name of Ryan Wing. Ryan, welcome to the show. Thank you all for having me aboard. It's going to be an interesting night, as you can tell by the <laughs> intro, which has now gone on for the about has been 14 set. minutes. Uh, Ryan is a... A writer, an illustrator, a a, a comic artist, uh, uh, and he's kind of a jack of all trades. And he's here tonight to talk about 
his new Kickstarter project, The October Ghost versus the League of Horror graphic novel. Yes, indeed. Thank you uh, for having me on here. Um, really excited to finally get this project out and about. I've been playing around with it for a, a couple of years. Uh, sort of my background off this character is back in 2010, I uh, was working with some other friends, making some comics, doing some small zines, doing a lot of indie work, and kind of a reaction to the more gritty, realistic approach comics were taking. I really enjoy quirky 1950s sci-fi meets uh, you know 30s pulp characters. And I said, you know what, I, I want to see that, and I'm just going to write it because I can't find it anywhere. And that's what led me to uh, creating this character. And then also knowing what I know about uh, Maine, because I live here, I said, I'm just going to set it here. <laughs> I can work with Kind the of the easy way out. The, you know, the nice going. <laughs> it, it really is. I mean, it turns out it, it's worked pretty well for Stephen King. I think I'll, I'll ride that pony, too. Why not? Pretty much. There's room for two there. Absolutely. Exactly. <laughs> So the character, the October Ghost, kind of is from the the Silver Age comics kind of mold. Yes, precisely. Go ahead, let me get you off. Keep rolling. Keep rolling with it. Interesting <laughs> look to him, you know. And you carry that look through. I mean, this character has been evolving over what the past five years. Yeah, hit up on just six years. I think coming up this October. When did he first start appearing and drawing for you? Um, actually, it was the six years ago. I uh, was investigating and kind of doing some research on older serial pulp comic strips and just really enjoying Sunday comics growing up. I started doing a lot of one-page uh, serial strips with him in it, going, all right, I like starting mid-adventure. None of this whole origin story right up. It's, okay, you're here. There's a bizarre monkey with its brain exposed and a mad scientist alien attacking you. Very go uh, flash, very flash, <laughs> very flash. Silver Age is all I can think of. You know, it's very John Broom. Okay, you know, Flash is walking down the street. You know, with Iris, they're chatting, and of course, there's an alien invasion. He has to run around. He gets shrunk, and then it turns out to be, uh, you know, his best friend playing a prank on him. Just that type of absurdity, I really embrace. So, between <laughs> that and reading a lot of the Tick too, it's that tongue-in-cheek kind of poking fun at the genre, but really loving it for what it is. So this character has been kind of like your your mainstay while you were doing other stuff? Yes, yep, that's right. I uh, did a lot of um, sort of Jack Kirby-ish sci-fi work with a, another friend of mine, Seth Desjardin, and that was kind of his driving force where he wanted to work on. So while illustrating that in the background, I kept doing one, two to eight page stories in different books we'd put, we'd put out. And uh, finally, I'm like, you know what? I really want to just focus on this character and have something I can stand by to put out on my own. And uh, the graphic novels, again, I've been turning around in my mind for a couple of years and said, now's, now's a good time. Let's do it. And I have to launch it in October because it just goes with the names. Got to go with the scheme. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that kind of makes sense. There's bats and Dracula and, and walking uh, skeletons <laughs> yep, and yep. stuff. Monsters, vampires, bizarre, uh, nice autumn palette. It's all going to be great. <laughs> so how long did it take for you to put the graphic novel together? Because I'm guessing most of it's original stuff that ha you haven't put out before. Yep, that's correct. It's uh, one long continuous story. So I've been drafting out the, the first draft over the past year. I have most of the thumbnails completed for it right now. So it's just going to be working through the next several months, tidying it up and getting things ready to print. And I work manually. <laughs> uh, most of my other friends have converted over to digital. 
which I do use for coloring only, but the rest of the time I'm actually at a drawing board pushing lead and ink all over the place and enjoy that process of you know working on a nice 11 by 17 paper and digging in and, and working it. And then you take that and scan it into Yep, scan it and then bring it process. to yep. Yeah, bring it to Photoshop, work work my uh, colors all through it, and at that point, I uh, then get it print ready and good to go. And for this book, I'm also going to be hand-lettering it. Uh, one of my friends who lives up here is Rick Parker, who lettered The Amazing Spider-Man through 80s up to the 90s. He did you know the first Spider-Man number one with McFarlane. Um, he's very, very old school and showed me a lot of pointers and the nice characteristics of having hand-lettering versus digital where you know you could you can make some good fonts right now obviously with their own handwriting but just seeing the sort of the small mistakes that get put in through hand lettering can uh, bring out a lot of character which i i like so for our listeners out there you're you're kind of one of the rare breed who you're not really <laughs> a main working there's a lot of people well, from maine what do you mean <laughs> I understand that, but they all live in separate places. They're never really together <laughs> at the same place anywhere. And if you've never been to Maine, you know that. Anyway, uh, <laughs> you do all the writing, you do all the illustrating, you do all the compiling, you do all the colorization, and you do all the lettering. Yep. And That's you get to deal with the vendor for printing. <laughs> oh, good Lord. And, and book design, because uh, for the last company I was part of, we are APNP comics. I was the editorial for uh, book design. And that's one of my you know passions. I've got a fine arts degree and enjoy, you know, packaging different paperweights, working hard covers with spot varnish and that, that kind of stuff. I really enjoy. I'm kind of a, a bibliophile that way. But I mean, it's, it's an absolute rarity for somebody to make, <clears throat> excuse me, to maintain that level of creative control from start to finish. It is, especially if you want to get it done quick. Okay, <laughs> that doesn't system. happen, obviously. <laughs> Precisely. And uh, we do have a decent enough community up here in Maine where we can bounce ideas off each other. It's a small group of us. Ben uh, Bishop, it's like a Rich Whittle. Whenever there's uh, cons that are together, we usually go out and work through ideas so at least story-wise we have some some soundboards to work through but you know aside from that we can kind of share some different pencils that we'd be working on different page layouts kind of do cross cross reference help in that way so even though i am doing it all alone we up here we do have a great support team of making sure we're all making the best product we can well i mean all alone is not you know doing it in a vacuum yes clearly. exactly but all alone means that you're your worst critic 24-7. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you work on that page, then you you know a week later you come back to it and you're making changes, and then a week later you're making changes again. So there's that point where you do have to kind of step back and go, okay, this to achieve where I want to go, this is where it's going to be for now. Move forward. It's going to get better next time, which is so hard to learn. <laughs> so this... this uh, particular graphic novel October Ghost versus the League of Horror yeah took about a year to put together yep yeah it did just, just working through uh, long form script is is new to me I'm used to working you know like I said one page to eight page short 
Silver Age style stories, something you'd see in a like a house of mystery, or you come in, do your twist, and then jump right back out. So to try, try to work something where I can actually involve a longer plot and introduce new characters into this world of October Ghost and uh, the fictional town of Stormwell, Maine, was was fun. It, it let me get really hands on, explore the setting and what what makes this town unique. One of the things that I'm always, and I, and I don't think anybody else is, but I'm always intrigued by is that every artist, every author, every producer has their own process that they go through. And this, is, this was obviously a new process for you not having ever done a long form graphic before. Mm-hmm. So what kind of process was it for you? Uh, for me, I actually struggled back and forth a couple different ways. Used, being used to writing the shorter formats, I said, okay, let me just kind of look at it, you know, work your basic Campbellian structure, here's how things run, drop some key points in there, and then try writing uh, section by section. But by the time I was done, it read that way. Like, it's like, okay, you know, hero returns, this person goes here, it's all very stagnant. <laughs> so, you know, you, you hit those points and you're reading like, okay, that's way too obvious. And there's no fun or to it that has my voice to it at that point. I'm forcing it into a mold. So by looking at that, I said, okay, now what would I actually want to read at this point? And then I would alter the story as I reread through it and rewrote the whole thing. So the ending completely changed. I swapped around characters that were at one point, you know, news, this one person who worked at a newspaper, who's now this uh, PI with this unique family curse locket. I'm like, that sounds awesome. That's what I want to write about (laughs) and let the characters kind of drive the story for once. And that was nothing I could really afford in this, in the short format. So it was the written form first, and then the illustrations came second. Yep, that's correct. I mean, I always have you know the sketchbook beside me, so the different characters I've had roughed out and and hanging out there. But I really wanted to, like I say, explore the concept of a, a long format story. So that really had to be there for me to understand how I was going to uh, sort of adapt the characters for the story. It's almost like taking uh, you know a short format uh, novella and trying to make it. In- to a movie what do you really have to change to make it fit what you're trying to tell for a story the city of stormwell maine where 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 is that in your head and how much of it is taken from your surrounding area um quite a bit i mean the basic city size i'm basing around portland so it's a smaller city but it's going to be you know coastal dock I drive it north of Portland. I, I currently live in Topsom slash I can you know spit to Brunswick from here. And I'd say just north of that. So it's a very coastal city um, with, with piers and ports moving in and out for everything. And But Portland's the, the basis of it. Nothing too big. I mean, I know everyone jumps to larger city in New York or if you're a good crime novelist will write in LA if they want to work the noir. But I, again, I want to explore what does this type of character have to do with a small city how does that play in and again similar to like the tick even though he has a larger city it's mm-hmm. seeing how this character fits in this environment where do they have to scale down where do they where's the environment too big for them and that's that's the fun playing with uh, creating your own fictional city one of the things that uh, i i noticed that you've done is unexpected press which is your own i guess internal publishing company Correct. Yeah, that, that that seems to be you as a publishing mm-hmm. company, and you've been around for about five, six, seven years. 
Yep. And you've been uh, doing a lot of the small cons in uh, in the the main area, uh, mm-hmm. which includes the Bangor Horror Festival every year. Yes, indeed. That's which is uh, coming up this weekend, the 28th, 29th, and 30th, leading right up to Halloween. This uh, Bangor show was uh, started. This is the second horror show they've done. They've done two full Bangor comic toy conventions. The first one, uh, a crew of us saw the the site and we're like, huh, I don't know how this slipped by our radar. Usually we're jumping to, you know, Granite State or, or Massive or other bigger shows like that or the smaller MeCAF that's in Portland. And uh, it caught our eye and we ended up writing to the, um, the owner of the show, uh, Chris McMillan, who's a wonderful guy. And he said it was going to be a good show. We should really give it a try. We said, all right. So a few of us split a table because, you know, we didn't want to go all in on a on a show and had an incredible time. The fans up in the Bangor area was a, it was an amazing turnout because they're starved for <laughs> for such people to come through for artists well yeah everything, I mean, everything hits portland you know you hit manchester nashua portsmouth portland and it usually stops there so there's a rabid uh fan base up there that really was excited to meet everyone there's a whole lot of smaller conventions that are just starting to come to the forefront now out of the the main trafficked areas, you know, that yeah. are uh, pulling in people that just aren't going to travel to Boston or aren't going to travel to Manchester, New Hampshire, for whatever yeah. reason. But if there's something local, they're in for it. Oh, they're happy to turn out in costume. <laughs> it's pretty wild. Uh, then again, I can also remember seven years ago when Granite Con uh, mm-hmm. fit one ballroom in a hotel and that was it so i mean now when you look at that it's kind of ridiculous you know, it, it's ballooned amazingly it's it's I, w- I didn't make it this last one i was there two years ago and i just couldn't believe the size of it just with the media guests and everything that roll into it um it's shows have just changed so much over the years i mean starting as a you know fan of of comics in the 80s and seeing you know more vfw halls you know comic swap or to like you said, like one room in a yeah. hotel to where they are now, where they're pulling in celebrities, trying to get media guests. And again, somehow wrestling's always involved. I, I don't know. You, know? That, you, how, you can see start. <laughs> I know, it's something I've, I've never fully understood. It's like, all right, well, here's half the crest, half the cast of Voyager and, you know, Jake, the snake, Roberts, Jake the snake right. <laughs> who's going to be up in Bangor this weekend. So I'm like, well, hell, he'll have a snake. That's going to be all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, if that's what you're into, that's fine. But I don't understand how they ever work in the same room. I I, I just never. Yeah, understood. I mean, it, creative <clears throat> fiction. I, I, that's the best I can string <laughs> together for that. You know, it's. Su- I mean, in short, it's super heroics for for people who don't want to see people in costumes. It's <laughs> it's I, giant yes. people jumping well, around like other people do a lot of times. Yeah, that's that's right. I mean, that's I guess that's that's your Venn diagram. Your where they where they overlap. I guess <laughs> <laughs> the oddest Venn diagram in the universe. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that's but seeing. I'm very curious where shows are going to go too because there was a the Portland Expo show was this past weekend. I had a few friends go to that, and again, it was just a creator show. But turnouts, people are usually looking for licensed property materials, and you know, just wanted relive what they saw in a movie or tv show so that's it's a different environment out there for people who are trying to just make their own book and get their own stories out there so that's why kickstarter is a solid place to go at this point i mean i've i've backed off 
like 99% buying comics out of stores and have shifted that all to Kickstarters. Cause at least I'm seeing original voices, original content, unique formats for the books and just people who are really passionate about what they're working on. And I'm not always feeling that with the mainstream. Well, your, your segue is perfect for where I wanted to go <laughs> next, which is uh, the Kickstarter, which is about 95% funded right now with 23 days to go. So you're in really exactly. good shape there. And this is your first Kickstarter. Yeah. Uh, again, I have an amazing fan base and a uh, group of friends throughout the years who uh, really stand behind the project. They know my love for this medium and uh, the time I spend working on it. And it, it took off very, very quickly, Actually, much, much faster than I expected. I'm like, all right, you know, typically first weekend you get about 50% funding. You struggle for the next three weeks. And then the last week you get the, the next 50%. If you're lucky, but, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah if, all, if all goes well. But here, uh, again, just wonderful people who are willing to support what I'm working on that I can you know, make create a, a wonderful story for them to, to have. And it, it took right off, and it's, it's kind of hit a lull for the past couple of days. Uh, this gives me a chance to you know, kind of hone some stuff, maybe add some more rewards and see what else I can do to spark to get it moving. But it'll get there, which is wonderfully uh, reassuring. But I'm just trying to come up with new ways to to let more people know. So how how why did you decide that Kickstarter was the way to go? And again, I think you've been very lucky to this point. Nice job. Oh, th thank you. Yeah, for for Kickstarter, a lot of it having so self financed books throughout the past five years. Um, I know the cost of print runs. I know the, the upfront I need to work and all this. And I wanted to do a really solid book with a nice. Um, a nice volume to pull together uh, for launch so that I can use this book as my go-to for the next two years while I'm working on a couple other books that I'll eventually launch as well. And to do that, you know, I'm working, you know, Monday through Friday on the weekends. I've got a four and a half year old and a one month year old and my wife and we're all having an awesome time when I have family time. So when I have time set aside, I don't want to be working other jobs <laughs> to try to come up with the cost for, for paying for just printing. And that's the bulk of what it is. Um, other people have different philosophies where they want to make sure they get paid for doing the book. I'm going to be doing the book anyway. So I just wanted to use this as a means to get printing taken care of and then get it right out to the people who, who would normally come up to me and buy it anyway. Very cool. And then, then you have that property yep. to bring to conventions with you and exactly. take exactly. it to the next that's, level. Yep. That's, that's exactly what I'm shooting for. <laughs> looks, looks like you're well on your way quite frankly so thank you what what's going on in the next couple of months obviously kickstarter ends in about 23 days and at yep. that point uh you're working on uh taking care of your backers and exactly. fulfilling yep, all yep. of that stuff and that the nope, go ahead and i said and that's an interesting process in itself <laughs> that until you've actually done it once or twice if you think you've got it in hand, you may be wrong. <laughs> Precisely. That's why, uh, again, I'm very lucky to have many other friends who've gone through this process and it gave me a laundry list of issues to look out for, uh, you know, <laughs> shipping costs. Um, one big one I was warned of is, okay, it's good to have some, you know, high-end rewards. So if you had like a $500 one or, you know, some people do 1000 I did, you know, $200 for a cover for mine. They said kind of cap it there. Because people who will pay 25 bucks for your book, that's going to be okay. 
but the person who pays you know five hundred dollars or a thousand dollars for this limited edition thing you're going to build out they're the person at last minute goes you know what i got to pay rent i can't i'm not going to be able to back you on that and they drop out and you could potentially lose funding and i'm like i never Everybody who's thought been of that through a kickstarter yes. has, has had that happen where it yes. does, two days before it ends the guy goes uh maybe not and withdraws the pledge and you just want to sleep you yeah. really do it's like you know it's like I'm, i understand it that's i i get why they would have to do it but it's just it hurts when you're that close so um sure I, i'd rather people just look at it and go okay it's it's not for me, then said back it, then worry it's not. It's So the way I structured my Kickstarter was very much based off advice from like uh, Joe Schmalke and Ben Bishop saying, keep keep the tiers low, since this, especially this is my first one. So it's limited number of uh, rewards and very easily maintained. And, and your high-end pledges are, by the way, already gone. Yes, exactly. I, I saw the last one go today. I'm like, all right then, there there they go. So, but again, it's not enough. Where, um, if one of those go, I, I it won't be holding me back from printing the book. So, that's in a, it's in a good comfort zone. It really helps bring things forward, and I appreciate them uh, being you know someone someone's got those. I'm very happy for that. But I know if someone has to return it last minute, everything else will still go through. Once this is done. And Al, you come to and take a deep breath. What's coming up for you after that? Oh, I have a another one already lined up that I'll be working on. Uh, in this sort of world that I've uh, built, it's not not a huge superhero world like other people. They're like, oh, I'm gonna have this giant universe with these crazy characters. So Stormwell has a neighboring town that's very more rural Maine called uh, Castle Falls, where I have this sort of a Nancy Drew. Meets Hardy. I was just about to duo. say where Jessica Fletcher lives. <laughs> pretty, pretty much, yes. <laughs> it's that kind of. It's, but it's just you know, it's set in the um, mid '80s. This uh, pair of um, sort of detective kids. Um, this and I don't, I don't to give too too much away, but it's it's very sci-fi bend versus this one's here more action to horror. This one's you know 1980s sci-fi twist with detective kids riding bikes around. I was, I was kind of bumming because I, I haven't seen Stranger Things yet, but I've worked on this story for a couple of years and uh, some of my friends are like, yeah, you need to go look at that. Some things are kind of overlapping. I'm like, no! <laughs> but I'm excited because I, I want to see that. I'm happy for this type of uh, 80s nostalgia piece is coming through with, painted up with love for for that time. The so there's more of the can is, for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Kickstarter is the October Ghost versus the League of Horror. It's very close to being funded now. There's 23 days or so left to go. Ryan, hey, thanks for joining us, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me on. And and at this point, you can hang out with us while we argue about stuff or sneak <laughs> away whichever you prefer. I, I will have to actually go tuck some children into bed right now is the plan. So I will listen to the arguments later on, I assure you. <laughs> See, Ryan, you should have done what I did. I, I went and did that while the guest was talking. <laughs> I tried. This you can nice. tell the pre-recorded answers. Right. <laughs> <laughs> thanks a lot, man. Have a great evening. All right. Take care, everyone. So Bye. long, Ryan. Thanks. And now, the news. Nicely done. Uh huh. 
All right, so what do we want to talk about? <clears throat> Black it's, Mirror. It's kind of underwhelming. <sighs> that's all I have. That's it, huh? Well, I mean, it's uh, it's suffering from the same thing that, that um, I think Walking Dead did um, on its second season, which is, hey, make twice as many episodes, and here's some money. And then they didn't have enough to make him as great as they were before. Maybe. Or maybe just Netflix as a, you know, as a funding body for this type of fiction expects different things. Like maybe stories that are more accessible and less offensive. I I felt really uncomfortable watching a lot of the Black Mirror episodes, but I didn't really in any of these. I mean, they they were thought-provoking, but not in which like particularly. Well, we still got one to watch. Hated in the Nation. I have not. We have not finished. I mean, we started it, but we didn't finish it. Um, but I mean, like the first episode of the thing was nosedive, and that was fine. You know, it was probably the prettiest television I've seen in a long time. Um, well, very well shot. Um, great acting. Great story. Um, I mean, but it just, it didn't make me feel uncomfortable because we already live in a society where everything gets rated constantly and not in technology, just because it's society. Across the board. Yeah. Right? That's what we do. Even if you're not using technology to do it, even if it's not a Facebook like or an Instagram, you know, like. It's you're still rating people based on how they look, how they interact with you, and then you talk about them later with your friends, right? Don't we all do that. Yeah. Yeah. We all do that already. So that I, I wasn't really. So it's Tinder. Yeah, I mean, sure, but. I mean. <gasps> like I, I guess I guess when Black Black Mirror is at its best, when it shows us something that we feel we don't like to admit about ourselves. We already do, like, there's nothing, that's not news to anybody. It doesn't, it's not, it doesn't. No one likes it, but no one disagrees that it happens. Nobody stops doing it. Or stops doing it, that's right. And, and. You're all like, yeah, this sucks, and then we keep swiping. Well, and the other, (laughs) (laughs) the other part of it is that it. Like it's not dependent on technology. This is this is a social habit that we've been doing for millennia, and and it, there's reason behind. I'm sure that there's evolutionary reason behind it. It's not just, you know, we do this because of technology. Oh, it's um, not a no. new thing. Yeah. So I, you know, I I don't know. I I'm I've just I've not quite been in, as enamored, and and that's interesting to me because my current favorite show is Westworld and I'm completely drawn in. I'm completely drawn in. It's fantastic. All right, well let me ask you about Westworld then because I'm feeling morbidly ambivalent about it. Really? Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 an ultimately a very violent show that mirrors the worst aspects of humanity. And at the same time, it's a compelling drama. Mm-hmm. So it's and, like they successfully translated a Philip K. Dick novel into a visual medium? Michael they Crichton. kind of did, yeah. 
it's definitely th- th- this reboot and uh, is definitely disturbing and interesting and it does it, it does show us things about ourselves um what you know you all of a sudden you're in a world without limits where everything is permissible um <laughs> and and you know you can see some pretty dark stuff but I, I i don't know i'm drawn in because i think i think there's so much mystery here there's so much to you know explore there's even an alternate or uh uh alternate reality game an arg that's based around it um and and it, that's pretty interesting too. Just just I'm just I enjoy it. Um, You're allowed. Yeah. Um, I think I don't know that I can say that it's you know really great. Although there are some very fantastic performances from like Anthony Hopkins and things. I mean, in this the whole la- Hopkins character is just an amazing invention of, well, like, of this this horrible puppet master last week's episode where they're sitting on that, uh, that veranda having lunch. Yes. Was one of the most chilling moments I've seen. And there was veranda. nothing silent about No. <laughs> I mean, um, anything but a veranda. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, so Westworld is my current, is my current fixation. I, I'm really enjoying that a lot. Uh, it's truly not bad. Truly, not all the show, but, all know. the shows are coming back. So, um, Walking Dead came yeah. back. It sure did. That's still yeah. there than ever. for reasons. And I mean, you know, Sherlock is coming back again in January, yeah. but doing it the right way. We're not going to do 22 episodes. We're not going to do 11 episodes. We're doing four, just like we've done every other time. And with any luck at all, they'll be ta- done with the same care. And The word and you're looking for it. is panache. Yeah, style. Definitely. Panache. Definitely. Oh, panache. Yeah, you insist. I do. Okay. I mean... You know, the worst thing you get from a Sherlock uh, episode is, oh, I saw that coming. Yeah, and because it was still... a Sherlock Holmes novel. Right. Doi. And yet you still enjoy the hell out of it. So, you know, I'm looking forward to that. And then there's the Knight Rider reboot, which I want to shoot somebody over. but Because why do we need a talking car? Seriously, why did we ever need a talking car? I want a talking car. That's why. <laughs> someone someone will finally understand me. I <laughs> doubt it, but good on you for trying. It's, well, you know, I mean, hey, I've been watching the MacGyver reboot. Really? I tried that. I tried two episodes of it. You went halfway through the second one. You know what? I The thing is... Okay, so, and I think that this is this is a, a thing. I think that it's a real thing, and and I, I just I want to berate everyone for like, okay, so when reboots started to ramp up, yeah, okay, we we can complain that that makes sense, but just get over it. 
like, I mean, this is the perfect example. MacGyver is the perfect example because MacGyver was a silly show. It was always a silly show. It was, it wasn't, it wasn't profound. It wasn't moving. It was about a guy making bombs out of toothpicks. And that is silly. That is a silly thing. And it was great because it was the 80s. And it was just... A guy making a bomb out of toothpicks? Yeah. And its biggest competition was the A-team. Yeah. And so, like, MacGyver was an inherently What, you don't pity the fool? Come on. Come on! It was an inherently silly show. And there, if, if you take it any more seriously than that, you're really, really doing it a disservice. Because there was this kind of fun campiness to a lot of those 80s shows that you just, like, it's really hard to recreate with nostalgia because nostalgia puts everything in a different light. When you nostalgize a show like... This um, is a real MacGyver, word now. Nostalgize. It is. Just saying. Uh, like, when you do that to a show, you you give it more value than you did when you watched it the first time. Yeah. You absolutely do. And I say this as a guy who owns every single ep- season of MacGyver on DVD. That's so cute. Like, <laughs> I mean, I love MacGyver. I love Aww. the show. I love the campiness of it. I love the fact that he's a smart guy who uses his brain to get out of situations. And I also love the fact that the science is a little wonky because it needed to be because he was making bombs out of toothpicks. So, like, if you come to the new, the reboot and say, this isn't MacGyver because this and this and this and this, and he didn't go to, uh, universe, like, my big, my, I feel myself doing this. I feel my, when I watch the MacGyver, the, the new MacGyver went to MIT. The old MacGyver went to University of Minnesota. The new MacGyver plays basketball. The old MacGyver played hockey. Like, those differences, I'm like, what, why did you okay, change that? Okay, I gotta that? admit, it's... I don't get the basketball hockey thing. Right, like, it, probably because the new guy who's playing MacGyver can't skate, and they don't have time to teach him. Like, you know you know what I mean? <laughs> well, like, he, I, I get the MIT thing, because you're like, oh, setting him up to be not this average guy who makes bombs out of toothpicks now. Yeah. Well, but and, and I, I don't get the basketball. Who hockey would believe thing. that a person who went to U of M is like smart? No one. <laughs> no one. Weird. Right? Um, like, yeah, so so, it's kind of a shame from that aspect. And but, but I don't know if I expected anything to come out of this this latest reboot series. But uh, but the thing yeah, is, the new series is campy as heck. It's so it's it's so silly, and you know there's fan service in there, but it's not like overt. And there's you know he's got a gang now because everybody has to have a gang in new television. Like an actual like, gang, or like a like no, gang. he's got he's got you know Jack is there, and he's the guy who shoots the guys, and then he's got the girl who's the IT whiz, and she computer hacks, and then um, what's and his, his name? Friend who used to be there is. Now the big bad, and that's yeah. Well, and and his boss, like um, Pete. Oh yeah, yeah is yeah. now Patricia or whatever. 
Like, yeah. that's fine. All that stuff is fine. And I don't have any... Because when I go to watch that, I'm like, Hey, look at that! He just made a bomb from toothpicks! And that's good <laughs> enough, right? I guess. Sometimes we take ourselves as nerds so seriously. Sometimes? <laughs> I don't I think we all kind of do. Yeah, all the time. I mean, yeah, and that's our, our natural geek tendency, but I mean... When it's it's Mac it's MacGyver, you know it's MacGyver. Just let it be MacGyver. And the and the new MacGyver is MacGyver, and it's and it's fine that he's MacGyver, and he might not be your favorite MacGyver, but just because, somehow I feel like now we're having a conversation about Doctor Who. Yeah, just because you don't like this Doctor Who doesn't mean it's not Doctor Who, and you can be you can say oh the other last Doctor Who was better, but it's st that's still Doctor Who. You just gotta kind of roll with it and let the let the let the story be what it is um and and, and you know lower your blood blood pressure a little bit i wish i could do some do some do some breathing exercises yoga Mind, mindfulness yoga is the thing yeah hey i want to touch base on one possibly one last thing here um like it or not like it, uh, CBS was moving forward with a project called uh, Star Trek Discovery, which was supposed to be the great new Star Trek series. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, I, I give them points for trying it, for keeping the franchise around. No. I think there were probably a better ways to do it. But one of the things that I thought was probably best for it was that uh, Brian Fuller was named as a producer and director for it. Now, if you're not familiar with who Brian Fuller is, uh, he did uh, Wonder Falls, Pushing Daisies, Three Seasons of Hannibal, and he also uh, wrote for Voyager and Deep Space Nine. So, you know, getting him to be the showrunner for Discovery was wonderful and, and gave it some uh, legitimacy until the point where they parted ways last week. And the January premiere date has now been pushed back to May. Someone so had some creative differences, bitches. You thinking? Because that's what I'm thinking. Uh, so at this point, uh, in a creative role, but not as the showrunner, Akiva Goldman has just been hired who uh, wasn't involved in uh, Winter's Tale and A Beautiful Mind. And I'm not sure how that's going to work out. But we also know that this series will have one glimpse before it goes behind the paywall. So I'm not sure what's going on with that. Uh, and uh, with Brian Fuller gone, I'm not sure I want to know. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I mean, th this is the problem, right? Uh, this is the problem with corporate bureaucracy. Totally, it's you. You can't. You can't like do anything without somebody having a problem with something about it, and and that's fine. You know, like that. That's probably one of the reasons why companies stick around for a while, but. Um, at the same time, it's getting in the cre the way of people to doing things creatively. So, I don't, I don't have time for it. 
Yeah, I'm just, uh, you know, we'll get the one look at it, and then we'll figure out what we're going to do from there. Meanwhile, I've got Westworld, and I'm happy with that. Yep, me too. <laughs> uh, Kriana, you didn't want to talk about Muppet Babies coming back? Not really. Okay. It's one of your favorite shows. Yeah, whatever. It's probably going to suck. It's <laughs> like MacGyver. <laughs> whatever. I'm over it. Oh. So, Kriana, what's coming up on the show in the next couple of weeks? Why do you think I know this? Well, because last week when I tried to do it, you said, hey, we that's my job. We did not have a show last week. Well, the last time we had a show. Okay. You went, hey, that's my job. It's, so It's no longer my job. I have to game my job. <laughs> I'm playing RimWorld or doing something. Mm -hmm. hmm? Exactly. I'm waiting for my wife to come home. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. Also, I don't have the tab up, so... Okay. Hang on. So, next, uh, is that next week? Oh my god, it's November already. Next week, Ursula Long joins us to talk about her new book, Amber Wolf, which uh, I read, and it's kind of a chilling, chilling book. The week after that, V.S. Holmes of Amphibian Press comes on to discuss her series, The Travelers and the Reforged series, and we'll be able to talk about those. Is there any music on in the background? Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Ah, <laughs> Actually, I, I was just I... kind of contemplating why you used an app icon for the post that you put up last week. <laughs> because I did. It, which has nothing to do with that app. I know. Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of Renicon, Northeast Comic Con, booksandbooks.com and Comic Art House. Visit Comic Art House for some of the best deals on original art and dozens of favorite artists. And if you have a great moment, take a look at Sci-Fi Saturday Night's first anthology, My Play now at Barnes.com and Amazon. Our outro music was provided by Lawrence Made Me Cry. Check out more of their groups at lawrencemademecry.com. I want to thank our guest tonight. He's driving me nuts now. Ryan Wing. He wanted his it. Starter, the October Ghost versus the League of Horror graphic novel. Many thanks to our gang for joining us tonight from wherever they joined us from. From the Act in Action Time Warp, the sweetheart of the soundboard, Kriana Zombrarian. We're getting you back very quickly. I'd like to apologize to Plague Inc. Your icon will be down momentarily. Back from the shadows, which means six more weeks of con season. Thank you, Java. Hi. This is Dome saying, Tyrion Genie, shared pain is lessened, shared joy increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. Good night, everybody. Oh, I know.